<laughs> Hello, everybody. It's your Chapo again coming at you. Uh, it's me, Matt, and Felix joining you for this episode. And ugh, this is going to be like just a bad news, depressing one, because I guess like just right off the bat, we got to talk about what's going on in Minneapolis and St. Paul right now. This is, you know, um, about two nights now of basically an uprising against uh, the police department in Minneapolis uh, in response to their killing of uh, George Floyd, which we all saw on video. Um, and I got to say, uh, that video, even in like a culture now where we've become in- completely numbed to these like wanton acts of murder and sadism done on completely helpless people by the police. This one really set a new standard for how fucking vicious and awful it was. Just like kneeling on a guy's neck for five minutes until he, his voice box gets crushed and then he dies on the, in this, on the street. And the uh, response to this has been, you know, I would say entirely appropriate given the fact that this keeps happening. And just a quick bit of background here. The officer who actually killed uh, George Floyd is a guy named Derek M. Chauvin, who it's come out now has killed multiple people in uniform uh, while working for the police department. He was involved in, uh, let's see, um, he was put on leave after an inappropriate police shooting of Leroy Martinez. He shot Ira Latrell Tolls, an, an unarmed black man who was 21 years old in 2008. Uh, he was one of the shooters involved in the, uh, the killing of Wayne Reyes, um, he was a, a guy who shot 16 times, a total of 42 rounds were fired at him in 2005. He had another a police brutality charge and it just like has a record of yeah killing and brutalizing people in the line of duty. And like now he's lost his job for this, but we're waiting for them and the four officers to be charged with a crime. So, I mean, I don't know uh, where, where do you begin with this one? I mean, like Felix, I want to go to you cause I feel like you have a, more of a, a close personal connection with the city of Minneapolis and St. Paul and Minnesota. So, uh, you know, what, what can you say about this? I mean, the MPD is, it almost feels silly to say these things, but like even by American standards and especially like brutal and racist police department, uh, Chauvin, there is a Chauvin shot. I believe it was in 2006. He shot and killed, a uh, Native American man. And yeah, I just read off that. by then Hennepin County District Attorney Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. Which is, so I thought the response to this one by not just people like Amy Klobuchar, but uh, even conservatives has been interesting because it's not that they're going to do anything, but the video itself, as you mentioned, is so fucking unquestionably bad that what can you even say? Mm. The only guy I've seen actually defend the cop even in the conservative sphere, is um, Gorka. That's literally <laughs> well, what the did, only guy. What did Gorka guy. say about it? He was like, oh, do people know the backstory here? And it's like, the guy was arrested. Go back, to your, go back was, to your fucking shit. Go back to your shithole, honestly. Like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please go back to your the, shithole. The guy, uh, the guy but, he was under arrest for uh, writing a bad check for, like, allegedly, for $20. Yeah. Maybe you could execute somebody for that in Hungary, among with other crimes like witchcraft. But I or being Jewish. Fucking, yeah, go back there. But uh, no, I mean, I do think, though, that's mostly what people are going to get from the powers that be is things like Minneapolis Mayor Jacobs phrase, phrase very limp dick notes app <laughs> take on this, yeah. which is like it is fucking pathetic. Like, I I mean, really, what can you say? But that 
this is the appropriate reaction. I um I don't know. Did you see that video of the guy in the full like gear, like the umbrella, gas mask, all that shit, wordlessly going into the auto zone and breaking very the hammer and shady? Out? That was fucking weird. It's, it's yeah. weird, yeah. Like like I, I'm sure there are Asian provocateurs um, in, in in these you know in the midst of these crowds and you know in the midst of this mm-hmm. this uprising. But like you know even if even if that's not the case, like again we we have another round of like oh is looting okay or like oh. Uh, I, I agree with the protest, but like, oh, like oh, once you do violence, you like you do harm to your cause or whatever. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, we've seen like what protest does and it's just like they'll absorb it and it'll go away and like the same shit will happen over and over again. And it's just like I think this has to be understood as like a, a spontaneous uprising to, against the conditions of right. po- the police state in well, America. I, I have a new understanding of the anti-looting thing, and I think it's that. I saw this, like, some, like, anime guy today post, like, oh, well, white people didn't do this after. Remember that cop uh, just fucking gunned down that guy like a dog? The white guy in yeah, Dallas? About it. In a hallway. Yeah, yeah it was a, ha- in a, yeah, in a yeah. hallway. Yeah. And there was video of that, too. And he was like, oh, well, uh, white people didn't do anything after this. And it's like, I realize the anti-looting thing, part of it is just, like, pure flat racism. That's most of it. But another thing is, like, just being mad at black people for actually having self-respect something barely anyone else in america seems to fucking have yeah it's like how, how would you not see that it is an indictment on people that they didn't fucking riot after that fat pussy just gunned down that father yeah. in a hallway no i i saw that and you're and you're, you're you're totally right like in terms of like a lot of the anger and smugness and condescension or even if you want to just call it a riot or describe yeah. this in terms of like a a spastic, undirected outburst of, of violence and frustration that's unproductive, right? And, like, I'm, I'm certainly not describing it in those terms. But even if you wanted to, it's, like, how much can, can you put up with as an individual, as a community, like, just as a citizen of this country, what can they do to you? How much can they do to you before you do anything, be- like, in response? Or, or you, break the, you, you break the law, do something in response to the... Stand up for yourself in, in any way. And yeah, like you said, it's about dignity and self-respect. Like at some point, if you're willing to put up with this over and over again, it's like you lose self-respect. It, it's, it's demoralizing. And I'm not saying yeah. this is like, oh, like, like this stupid easy thing where everyone's like, oh, oh, we should all be out, like something to mask up and like smash the state or whatever. It's like, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but like, I'm, I'm, uh, but I'm not like condemning, oh, oh, they, they burned down a target or an auto zone or they, they looted shit from it. It's like, first of all, like the, you're talking about like neighborhoods and communities that have been looted entirely already legally. So like, and they're like, oh, it's, it's their communities. Well, they don't own any of these things in these communities. So like, why don't, you know, I, I actually have a quote here from uh, James Baldwin that I think sums this up very nicely. And this was an interview he did with, I think, Esquire in 1968. Um, you know, of course, in the shadow of the uh, the King assassination and uh, American cities being roiled by similar uprisings. And uh, Esquire asked them, how would you define somebody who smashes in the window of a television store and takes what he wants? And Bolden's response is, before I get to that, how would you define someone who puts a cat where he is and takes all the money out of the ghetto where he makes it? Who is looting whom? Grabbing off the TV set? He doesn't really want the TV set. He's saying, screw you. It's just judgment, by the way, on the value of the TV set. He doesn't want it. He just wants to let you know he's there. The question I'm trying to raise is a very serious question. The mass media television and all the major news agencies endlessly use that word looter. On the television, you always see black hands reaching in, you know. 
and the American public concludes that these savages are trying to steal everything from us, and no one has seriously tried to get where the trouble is. After all, you're accusing a captive population who has been robbed of everything of looting. I think it's obscene. And that was in 1968. I think it is exactly as true today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, I don't know what else there is to say. Well, I mean, the fact that it's as true as it was said in 1968, it doesn't say a lot of, it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't leave me very hopeful that any amount of protest will have an effect absent anything else, absent some larger effort, because we have the results of, of, of waiting for things to boil over when they're no longer tolerable. And, and you know, uh, it's, it's not terribly encouraging. And, and the other thing that's been going on is that like since 1968 and like over, or, you know, or over the last 40 years broadly of American history, like, like crime across every category of violent crime in like all parts of the country everywhere has gone steadily down, down, down. But police departments' budgets have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and police shootings have gotten worse and worse and worse. So obviously, the, 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 you know, it, it's not about crime or keeping anyone safe. It's just like, like the majority of, it feels like of L.A., New York, the amount of money that they spend on their police departments and like the, the new budgets that they're trying to pass now it, under you know, COVID quarantine where they're slashing everything else, they're, they're doubling down on giving all these money to, to the police departments. And it's just like, at what point would we be like, do we really need these people? I mean, even if you don't want to get rid of police departments entirely, could you maybe like, I don't know, cut their budgets or something? Yeah, I mean, what what other reason would there be for them to have fucking assault vehicles and all this shit unless they were supposed to be at war with the communities they're supposed to be protecting? Yeah, no, there's I know. Like, no fucking I like reason for this. I feel like there's huge... no fucking reason for this unless you had complete fucking contempt for everyone that lives in the neighborhood, which you know they do. I think a large chunk of uh, police departments' budgets have uh, gone into buying plus-size tactical gear for their, <laughs> their the, 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 the warriors. I saw blue. a video of a guy on the roof of uh, w- one of the precincts in M- Minneapolis today who just a big boy, just a big, beefy boy, essentially sitting in a lawn chair shooting beanbags at people. Min- minimal, minimal effort. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's like, how you should kind of be mad at everyone for not rush like for anyone who isn't out you should kind of be mad at for not rushing that guy (laughs) it's like that's like like the thing where it's like oh yeah well you don't see white people doing it it's like yeah if you don't see that and don't want to fucking beat the shit out of that guy i don't know what to tell you they could that that same cop could just come to your house and put on a fucking punisher print condom and fuck your wife and you'd thank him after that Anyone who is, yeah. Because a lot of white people have the implicit, often unspoken understanding that in, in the racial conflict, in, in, the un, in the buried racial antagonism of this country, that the cops are on their side. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so even if one of them gets killed in a, in, a, in a bad shoot, like the guy in Arizona, there's not a sense of it being a agreement to a white person as a white person. Uh, it, it's abstracted away from a specific threat to them because they don't see the police as antagonistic toward them in general. And the thing is, is that what people are going to find out uh, more and more is that while that is true, it is only true to an extent. It's true to the extent that our comfort allows it. Uh, when when walls start going up and fences start going up and, and white people start 
realizing, oh, my my blue lives matter uh, bumper sticker isn't going to cop isn't going to stop the sheriff from uh, from evicting me from my house. Uh, they're going to realize, oh, there that isn't that there is no their their relationship to me. It was entirely contingent on me being an, a productive citizen. And enough enough. Uh, and if things change and enough people aren't like that anymore, it's going to be a rude awakening. And I guess when I think like overall about this, like when, when this happens and there's a reaction to it by the people who are the target of this kind of violence and they see another human being just so wantonly killed like that over like $20 and then, oh, like, oh, 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 the, oh, they looted a target. Oh, they burned down the auto zone or whatever. I think like, again, like, the, of course, the police violence in reaction to this is also insanely disproportionate to like any threat posed by these people like the the the, the gallons of tear gas and rubber bullets fi- being fired right now is probably like, unthinkable to uh, speculate about but like the other thing is like taken overall the idea that like this keeps fucking happening and like almost always it now it's caught on video so everyone can see it and it's like unmistakable what happens like when a guy who's handcuffed on his stomach on the pavement gets shot in the back by the cop arresting him and killed like it's unambiguous what's going on there and you see this shit and it's like shouldn't isn't the question like why why isn't like the violence in reaction to this worse or like more widespread it would seem to be like again like disproportionate to the level of violence directed uh at these communities or at all us all everyone all the time by the fucking cops and the people who support them and I guess like, the other thing is like it, this is the easy like hypocritical point to make, but it really is stunning in light of like the weeks leading up to this, where it's just like all of the people who will like you know I will die to defend defend Target, you know, like and it's just like you know, hey, look, if you didn't want to get uh, have a cop break your neck, uh, you shouldn't have resisted arrest and you shouldn't have broken the law in the first place. Like the re- the reactions of these same people like a week ago. When they're not even told by the cops, just by like a store, could you please wear a mask and not cough on everyone while you're shopping for groceries? They're like, nope, not going to do it. I'm standing up for myself and my rights. It's just like the weird way which these people ping ping pong back and forth between like absolute craven obsequiousness to like law enforcement and the state and then like flouting or just like pretending that like everyone who's wearing a mask in public is like a sheeple and brainwashed and program and like oh you oh you do do what the government tells you like that's because you're weak or whatever it's just i mean it's like the the hypocrisy is just so obvious but like just so stifling in this case when to think about it because it's just it's not really hypocrisy though i don't think that that's hypocrisy it, they think that the purpose of the state is to provide them with rights and comfort and to constrain uh, the lives of people who don't deserve the same level of rights that they have. And right. so there's no, in their mind, there is no contradiction. And when you observe the way that the police operate, it's hard to argue that in terms of observing reality, they're wrong. The other thing I've noticed, at least in the um, uh, public responses from uh, prominent politicians and certainly uh, Democratic presidential candidates or whatever, Amy Klobuchar, of course, uh, we know that yeah, she didn't prosecute this guy when she had the fucking chance in another shooting from 2008. Again, he kept his job, went on to kill more people for that police department. Uh, she just says, you know, my notes app, my statement on the officer involved shooting. Officer involved shooting is such an interesting phrase because it's been uh, adapted by journalists almost unquestionably. 
And they like the journalists didn't come up with that term to describe when the police kill someone. Uh, police departments invented that term and gave it to journalists as a, a, a explicit term of propaganda to obfuscate the like the reality of uh, of what in any other circumstances would be like man kills man with gun. <laughs> so it's like okay, officer involved incident. Well, okay, how was the officer involved? You know, it's just like this bizarre, like everything is in this passive voice. But what's interesting is that, you know, going through the statements made by like prominent Democrats, uh, it seems to be like what's changed is like they'll all say things like this is an example of systemic racism in our society that we need to fight, which I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have done 10 years ago. Like they say the structural racism or like, you know, we need to stand up like for black lives. What none of them say is use the word police or murder. The police are obscured entirely and and like they're able to talk about it using kind of state of the art, technically correct, uh, using the phrases that like uh, reflect the attitude and and, and philosophy of like Black Lives Matter and structural racism or whatever. But it's just like they're not wrong, but they're they're all none of them use the word murder or police in any of their statements. And like it's it's easy to say, oh, like systematic racism is bad, but. They're they're leaving the cops untouched because like these are the people who are I don't know for the most at the the, the spear tip of enforcing <laughs> systematic racism and then doing the actual killings of black people and it's just like the cops are still made largely unscathed by all this or even if they're being called to be uh, prosecuted or fired and like these guys haven't even been charged yet and I would imagine given the level of attention that this has gotten largely because of the um uprising or insurrection against it i would suspect they will be charged but the thing is it's like all a cop has to do is avoid saying on the stand yeah i killed them because i wanted to it, all they have to say is that i felt my life was in danger no matter how immobilized or uh, vulnerable the person they did it to who was handcuffed was that's all they need to say is that i feared for my life and it's and they it's justified and at worst they'll like lose their pension or job that's it but putting one, putting someone in jail for these police shootings is like has shown to be over and over again, no matter how egregious it is, almost impossible. And it's going to remain that way as long as they have, as long as that is their role in in the social order is what it is. I mean, you it, they don't make sense if they don't have that ability. And more importantly, they have now the sense of themselves, sort of almost as a class in itself, to prevent that from happening because. Much like the military, they are much more trusted, the police, uh, uh, by a lot of people uh, than, than anybody, any specific member of uh, like the political class is. And we see how whenever there's a conflict between the police force in a given area uh, and elected officials, who wins that? Because, because the people who, with money in their pockets and people who vote most, uh, know who is more important to the maintenance of their uh, quality of life as they as they want it, and it sure as hell isn't anybody they voted for. Somebody with a gun. I saw uh, I saw clips of Sean Hannity talking about this last night, and he was breaking. It's, it's one of the most ghastly things I think I've ever seen. He's breaking down this video, and he's he's using his expert as a martial arts student to break down what was going on. He's like, and he's like, there's a phrase of martial arts. It's called choking somebody out. He, he's using his Krav Maga knowledge to like break, break down the tape of uh, the tactics used. And it's like, motherfucker, the guy was in handcuffs. This isn't about combat. 
<laughs> this is a guy with a, a, like a knee on someone's neck while they were fully immobilized on on the fucking pavement. Uh fuck guys, sorry. I know like this is this is a brutal one to try to like talk about or do an episode about, but again, cuz it's sort of like, you know, a, what what more can you say or like we we've seen this thing happen again and again and again. And like, you know, Ferguson like that was a like a, a seemed like a big sea change and then like People well, forget. Wait, people wait, wait, forget. Hold on the, a minute. Wait. Did it? I know. I, 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 I don't was, remember it ever feeling like anything was changing with, with, with after Ferguson is the thing. Well, I mean, it was like it became a part of the like a, like the national consciousness it was like a thing yeah, but that's to, what like, happens exactly. We yeah, just yeah. we just things happen and then we just become aware of them and then we we have one more thread of awareness to weave into our blanket of awareness that we carry around us to keep us warm, but it doesn't change anything. Yeah. The thing that we may not be aware about is that, like, at least a half dozen of, like, the prominent Ferguson activists uh, shortly thereafter or in the subsequent years have been found shot in the head in an entirely burned car. Yeah, it is weird. Or, or been murdered and, like, in, and then unsolved homicides and, like, almost, like, textbook assassinations of, like, well, gee, if I was, um, knew the uh, actual details of, let's say, how the police investigate a homicide... Uh, I would know uh, to burn everything to uh, obscure any DNA evidence that might link it to the killer. And it, like, I, th- I think it's like not insane to speculate that these are just straight up death squads. And like the trigger men are active duty members of these same police departments. I mean, it's the most likely thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Razor. I, yeah. And I mean, I would also imagine that it's like if they're assassinating them in the exact same manner and mutilating the body, Post death in the exact same manner. It's almost like they kind of want you to know, like like a lot of things now. They want you to know and want you to go insane with the fact that you know. Well, I mean, Matt, you know, this is you mentioned the um, the the soldier mentality that you know the Punisher logo, the ubiquitous use of the Punisher symbol among first soldiers and now cops in this country, and like you know how chilling that is in their own self iconography. That like like I said they. They have it on their vest. They put a sticker on the car. They're advertising it to you openly that they that they identify themselves with the character of the Punisher, a vigilante yeah. lunatic who um, murders people for like uh, doing person snatching a purse or whatever. And you know we've talked about this before, like the, the this the the evolution of this, yeah, like the wa- cops thinking of themselves as warriors rather than peace officers. And I'm not saying like police departments were ever particularly good in this country, but this is something I wanted to bring up that like I've I've known about for a while and I never knew really what to do what to make of it because of how disturbing it is. But I suppose now is a good time to bring this up. I've I read a long time a while ago about this guy named Dave Grossman, who uh, is a former uh, army ranger, who has now transitioned into a very lucrative career as a consultant to police departments, and basically he travels around the country like year round. And just gives like to hundreds of different police departments all over the country, uh, uh, selling them a like a six-hour seminar of uh, what he describes as his bulletproof warrior course. And this guy is a pure psychopath. I'm going to include a small short film in the uh, show description. This is like a, just a very quick short film uh, the New Yorker put out on their YouTube channel that uh, contains a lot of footage of him speaking at one of these. Uh, conferences or these sort of like motivational self-help seminars to basically help cops be more comfortable with killing people. 
and using their gun in the line of duty. Once you've made the decision to take a human life, you're a transformed creature, you're a predator. What does a predator do? They kill. Only a killer can hunt a killer. Are you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically prepared to snuff out a human life in defense of innocent lives? So, I mean, I, I'm including the video because I think it's instructive to actually hear this guy's voice and see like the, the expressions on his face and how kind of manic and generally unhinged he seems. But also just imagine a guy like that speaking to like a like a hotel conference room full of just like bald heads and Oakleys. Just hot dog necked, crew cut fucking pigmen. And then what he's telling them is explicitly saying, I am taking everything I've learned uh, training soldiers to be efficient killers and explicitly to program an indiv- a human being to overcome their natural, almost like biological revulsion to consciously taking a human life and make you into, you know, a killer a weapon of death that you can you can draw point shoot kill efficiently every time without hesitation and that also like the hesitation is also morally wrong and that even if it's a bad shooting you were right that your if your first instinct was to kill you were in the right most likely so i'm just going to read a little bit here from uh Brian Schatz of Mother Jones uh followed this guy uh just did an article about it so i just want to read a little of this Marching around the stage in a theater in Lakeport, California, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman tells his audience that they shouldn't go out looking for people to kill because those who need killing, the gangbangers, terrorists, and mass murderers, will come to them. All they need to do is be ready. Are you prepared to kill somebody, he asked me, and the small group of armed citizens who have paid $90 or more to see him? If you cannot answer that question, you should not be carrying a gun. Two hours into his high-octane six-hour seminar, the self-described top police trainer in the nation is just getting warmed up. Grossman, a 60-year-old former Army Ranger, whereas... Uh, okay, sorry, going on here. Uh, he sports a military haircut. On stage are two giant easel pads, their legs taped to the floor so that he does, they don't go crashing down whenever he hits them to punctuate his points. We fight violence. What do we fight it with? Superior violence. Righteous violence. Over the past two decades, Grossman has achieved semi-celebrity status as an authority on aggression, close combat, and the psychology of killing. He literally wrote the book on killing called On Killing. His books have been translated into several languages, and he says that they are required reading at the FBI Academy and many law enforcement academies. He's lectured at West Point and claims to have conducted trainings for every federal law enforcement agency, every branch of the armed forces, and cops in all 50 states. For more than 19 years, he's been on the road leading seminars and trainings nearly 300 days a year. So, I mean, I take him at his word that he's the top police trainer consultant in the country, but... Let that sink in for a minute about what, like, what he's being paid, again, by police departments with, with tax money to teach cops and also arm private citizens to inculcate in them the mindset of a, a, a green beret in a war zone. Be prepared morally and intellectually to, uh, to kill without hesitation or remorse. And that like, your job is to take a life, and even if you take the wrong life, you were in the right in doing so. Or you can't feel too guilty about it because you are an avatar of righteous violence that's there to protect the sheep from the wolves. Obviously, cops 
are the biggest babies on earth and they demand total obsequiousness and butt smooching at all times and uh, and free coffee at Dunkin Donuts and and uh, all that shit. And if you'd ask them why, they'd say it's because we risk our lives, thin blue line, all that shit. But stuff like this shows that, and and that approach to lethal force shows that no, they're not willing to die at all. They have not accepted the idea that that their public service, their protection of people, would involve taking any risk to themselves. That's no, I'll wear I'll wear a phone book thick Kevlar and shoot anyone who looks at me. Even though doing that, in the long run, makes policing harder uh, and undermines everything this is social solvent and you're like yeah but then i but i yes i'm willing to do that i'm willing to to destroy a city like they're doing in minneapolis to allow a city to be destroyed on because of my crimes uh but then i i have to do that because i have to go home well i'm sorry if you're that much of a bitch don't become a cop and then and then people might respect you people might respect police officers if they were actually taking a risk if they were saying I am helping my community and I'm good, I don't know, whatever. The I, well, you know, I mean, well, you know, I, I know what you mean. Like, it reminds me of um, that fucking worm, like Ben Shapiro's uh, comments when Trayvon Martin was killed, or he was like, "This is years after." He's like, "Happy twenty first birthday to Trayvon Martin, who would have, you know, been alive today had he not slammed the guy's head into the concrete." Where it's like George Zimmerman killed him because he was losing a fight that he started. So, like, I had the fact that he got his head bounced off the fucking pavement by a teenager is entirely... He was the aggressor. He deserved to have that happen to him. And also, like, he wouldn't have died anyway. So, like, he, he fucking killed that kid because he lost a fight that he started. And it's just like, I'm sorry, like, if you can't, if you can't settle with your fists, then you don't have... Like, like, fuck off. Like, again, like, you want me to respect you, but you're going to kill someone as soon as it looks like you ha- are in any danger of getting hit in the head? Fuck off. Like, it's, just, it's so gross because it's like at every point like Zimmerman or people like him instigate a situation, which by the way, they have no authority to approach someone on the street and like ask them what they're doing there or like detain them or whatever. He was just some fucking psycho on his own with a gun. They instigate a situation that like they are the aggressor. They are the ones doing violence. And then if someone defends themselves or fights back or beats the shit out of them, then they're like, oh, well, my life was in danger, so I, yeah, I just killed a teenager, and I was right to do so, because he was threatening my life. It's like, asshole, like, you were threatening his fucking life. You had the gun. You saw him on the street. You were tailing him and approached him. Like, if you had just let him be, like, the, the, you wouldn't have been in any danger. And, like, hey, also, you, sh- you fucking should have been in danger, fucking psycho. And, it, yeah, it's, it's the same mentality here. And I was going to go on with uh, Grossman. Grossman's philosophy grew out of two decades, he says, spent training soldiers to kill more efficiently. The military has long taught its troops to kill through a process of conditioned response that's meant to override the part of the brain that asks, should I be doing this? By refining this approach, Grossman and others claim the U.S. military boosted its kill ratio, the percentage of frontline soldiers who actually shoot to kill, from between 15 and 25% during World War II to as much as 100% during the Vietnam War. Grossman takes this a step further. Rather than simply conditioning soldiers and police officers to shoot without hesitation, he teaches them to embrace their responsibility to kill. Killing's not the goal, he cautioned in a 2004 interview with Frontline, but we all understand that killing is the likely outcome. He calls this discipline killology, the study of the destructive act. Though he spent years as a soldier... He has never killed anyone in combat. Oh, my God. Wait, it took that long for me to figure that out? What a shock. What a shock that this guy has been, like, eating off of being, like, I'm the steely-eyed, like, Green Beret killing machine 
who does motivational seminars but has never actually experienced combat myself or fired a shot in anger. What a fucking shock that like it's guys like this that have such a cavalier attitude about being a warrior and ki- taking another person's life with a gun. Uh, and while he is a luminary to many in law enforcement, uh, the warrior mentality he espouses is under fire. As Black Lives Matter has exposed the prevalence of police abuses and the confrontational attitude that often sparks them, Grossman continues to insist that the cops are the ones under siege and that they must be more, not less, prepared to use force. The number of dead cops has exploded like nothing we've ever seen, he tells the armed citizens in Lakeport. This is not true. Uh, the number, annual number of police officers intentionally killed while on duty in the past decade is 40% lower than it was in the 1980s. If emergency medicine and body armor hadn't improved since the 1970s, Grossman claims, the number of dead cops would be eight times what it is today. It's not clear how he arrived at these figures. Last summer, after a black man named Philando Castile was shot and killed during a traffic stop outside Minneapolis, it was revealed that the two years earlier, the officer... Geronimo Yanez had attended the Bulletproof Warrior two-day training seminar taught by Grossman and his colleague Jim Glennon. The booklet Grossman hands out at his civilian training contains some of the same content that cops receive. There are charts and tables on perceptual distortions in combat and combat efficiency. A section titled Thou Shalt Not Kill? Question mark lists Bible verses that distinguish between justified killing and murder. Grossman does not tell us that oftentimes in police training the right answer is not to shoot, but he quickly pivots back to his message that right behind the police, gun owners are frontline troops in his war. He also views the world as an almost unrecognizably dangerous place, a place where gang members seek to set records for killing cops, where a kid in every school is thinking about racking up a body count. His latest book, Assassination Generation, insists that violent video games are turning the nation's youth into mass murderers. He foresees attacks on school buses and daycare centers. Kindergartners run about 0.5 miles an hour and get a burst of about 20 yards, and then they're done. It won't just happen with guns, but with hammers, axes, hatchets, knives, and swords. His voice jumps an octave. Hacking and stabbing little kids. You don't think that they'll attack daycares? It's already happening in China. When you hear about a daycare massacre, massacre, he shouts, tell them Grossman said it was coming. I mean, you know, you get the idea. He goes on to talk about how, like, literally everyone in America is going to join ISIS and, like, just lurking behind every door, every street corner is just like, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, the only the one of the only ways you can get most people to accept all this is if they're fucking terrified all the time. And again, like (laughs) fucking afraid. And I know, like, we, we've talked many times before about how American society has in many ways never been shittier than it is today. But, you know, looking at just the numbers, it's also, like, never been safer than it is today in terms of, like, the, the likelihood of a violent crime happening to you. Much less, let alone, something like a, like a terrorist bombing or killing or something like that. <sighs> Again, I just wanted to, I want, yeah, I wanted to share with you guys uh, the, the wonderful and terrifying career of Dave Grossman, a guy who should absolutely be behind bars as long as we're going to still have cops in prisons. Uh, people like him are, like I said, just like try to imagine how many police departments he's given this lecture to and how much they probably liked hearing what he had to say. It's funny that um, on that Grossman thing that the fantasy among cops is never, doesn't really seem to be a power fantasy, right? It seems to be one of acute fear and 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 almost of weakness, right? And maybe that's where the uh, the uh, intersection with like a fascist mentality is, right? 
it's, that, they I mean, are, that, that they're so that they are in constant danger, that their lives are always on the risk, that every single person they see is an enemy who has a who's putting a a target on their heads. And like, like every single traffic stop, you got to just assume that the guy's going to kill you, like in a, in a yes. split second, right? I mean, I think right. it's like, it, it's a little bit more. I would say it's a little bit more complicated because obviously Felix is right. Like it's only through like a, a completely irrational and like insane, like fear based view of the world that you can intellectually or emotionally justify this to, to yourself, or like why there would be like a reason that you'd have to think this way or or behave this way. But on the other hand, I think it's like. They want to believe that because once you do, it gives you the license to do the thing that you, to justify yourself doing the thing that you were already fantasizing about doing, which I don't think it is about power, lording power over other people, killing them, uh, using a gun to, to be the good guy and to like to kill criminal scum or whatever. Right. Well, it's, it's a mirror image of, and of our endless war thing. It, it's, the same playbook was used for the Cold War, is used for the War and Terror, is used for whatever we have now, which is like, oh, no, like in normal conditions, like a lot of people wouldn't really give a shit. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be like, oh, we need to have a military base in Latvia. We need to, uh, we need to go to war for fucking Kuwait. We need to go to, we need to do, we need to contest the uh, South China Sea for whatever fucking reason. Um, but if you get them in the frame of mind where it's like, oh, well, then what if, what if uh, the communists take over the world? What if Al-Qaeda has a base that they can operate out of? What if this? What if that? What if China controls all the shipping here? And the answer for a lot of those what-ifs is, you know, if we weren't there, your life, on average, probably not affected too much. The average person doesn't benefit all that much from endless war and the american empire but you get sort of people you get people to like sort of co-sign it in the way that americans do with this sort of thing which is they like not thinking about it it's enough of a push that you can cause them to not think about it at all and then for another percent of the population like probably a smaller percent uh the idea of a world constantly that's a constant powder keg ready to uh pop off at any minute there's conflict everywhere. Everyone wants to kill Americans just because they're Americans. That appeals to them because, yeah, they want to go overseas and as part of their coming of age, just fucking gone down someone in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever. Uh, because, you know, there's so many people when you have an empire, you have to have a thing that appeals to both types of people, maybe more. But I, I mean, I think it's a similar thing with characterizing the, the domestic side in that way of being a bound of th- threats or opportunities to become whole as a person by killing someone. You know, what, what you're saying is about how, like, it's, it's, it's the same mentality that we employed to fight the Cold War and now the War on Terror. And now we're seeing, you know, like, police departments, like the, the I don't know, the blending of these things is happening more and more openly and like uh, just right in front, like I said, like all this Punisher shit, all this tactical, like I said, plus size tactical gear that all these pigs are fucking love wearing now. It, it really, it reminds me of just what Matt and I, when we talked to Vincent Bevins earlier this week, where he said, if you want to do a coup and like a genocide, the way to do it is to tell everyone that the people you're going to kill are right on the verge of doing a coup to you. And like they, they do that every single time. 
it's it's like it's both an act of projection but also it's like a very very effective strategy for justifying it to like the broad mass of the public that like like you said Felix just would prefer not to think about it or like isn't really committed one way or the other but once it starts happening if they you know like if they're like oh well they're doing it to the the evil people who are going to torture and kill us even though they they were like absolutely no chance of that happening no evidence whatsoever that that's the case but like yeah like i said this is just it's 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 textbook evil 101 and i i think i think we see a lot of that that same mentality in the in this this warrior cop shit and i, I guess like another thing i want to say is like i know the minneapolis mayor has like for a while talked about oh we need to get rid of this warrior cop mindset and have like more community policing or whatever and it's just like i don't know like that seems sort of like an empty measure myself like as well because it's just like oh, like I'll have like a nicer cop that will just sit on my neck for five minutes while I choke to death rather than one who's dressed like fucking Master Chief kicking in my door. It's just, I, well, I don't know. Mean, like, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to like, I know there's a lot of things like people seem like they want to hear, but like just overall, God, like I'm sorry, like this shit is going to keep, like it doesn't matter like who or what the cops are, or, like how they dress or whatever. It's just they're, they're still fucking cops and their relationship to like to you and especially to uh, poor the poor communities that you know bear the brunt of their violence for the most part is remains the same yeah they will not nothing will change until the 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 job the job changes until until policing is not what it has turned into until policing is not an all-purpose basically just a way to make all social problems caused by widespread racism and income inequality go away as long as that's the job of a police officer, that's what they're going to do. They're going to street the sweeps. They're going to sweep the streets like Frank Castle. Because what else is going to happen when when an entire cast of people's job is to maintain uh, sanctity of private property and and racial hierarchy and everything else uh, in the face of a society that's falling apart at the seams? What what are they going to do other than kill more and more people to to maintain those those borders? Well. Again, like uh, it, it, it's certainly not fun to talk about, but I mean, we, we, it has to be addressed. And I, I guess just to close out this part, like, uh, uh, let's, uh, I'm gonna, we're sharing the episode description, uh, the bail fund that you can donate to for mi- people in Minneapolis who have been uh, arrested protesting this right now. Uh, we've, we've supported a lot of different bail, community bail funds in the past, but like, I think this is probably the, like the, the easiest, most effective way of, of, showing support or solidarity for the people, um, you know, fighting this in, in Minneapolis right now. Um, just any amount of money, I'm sure, will go a long way. So uh, look for the link for the uh, Minneapolis bail, bail fund in the show description. Okay, moving on on a, a slightly nighter, lighter note, um, here's some good news. Donald Trump is going to get rid of mods once and for all. I'm talking, of course, about Trump's executive order targeting political bias at Twitter and Facebook. Uh, he announced this sort of like off the cuff last night that he was about to make a statement and exec- issue an executive order because he was mad that Twitter added an, an addendum to his tweet about how mail <laughs> mail-in ballots are like all fraudulent. And this is the first time Twitter did that because they've been see- receiving... Like Mika Brzezinski has basically just been saying, please stop accusing my husband of murder or Trump at Jack. Please stop him. Delete his account. Take these tweets (laughs) away. And they're adding this kind of like this fact checking feature to Trump now. And he is very mad about it. 
And uh, his response to this is, I'm reading from a news account here, it says, uh, President Donald Trump is expected to order a review of a law that has protected Twitter, Facebook, and Google from being responsible for the material posted by their users. According to a draft executive order and a source familiar with the situation, news of the order comes after Trump threatened to shut down websites he accused of stifling conservative voices following a dispute with Twitter after the company decided to tag Trump's tweets with about unsubstantiated claims of fraud in mail-in voting with a warning prompting readers to fact-check the posts. The order, a draft copy of which was seen by Reuters, could change before it's finalized. On Wednesday, officials said Trump will sign an executive order on social media companies Thursday. The executive order would require the Federal Communications Commissions to propose and clarify regulations under Section 230, uh, 230 of the Communications Decency Act, a federal law largely exempting online platforms from legal liability for the material their users post. Such changes could expose tech companies to more lawsuits. The order asks the FCC to examine whether actions related to the editing of content by social media companies should potentially lead to the platform forfeiting its protections under Section 230. Uh, basically, Trump's going to make it illegal for you not to like your, your peepaws posts on Facebook. All anyone ever wanted. All anyone ever wanted out of him. You will have finally made America great again. And and the weird thing is, is like Trump being on Twitter is just such like a, a singular interesting thing because it causes like so much so much weird consternation and agitation, right? Because like obviously Twitter and all of Silicon Valley, certainly Facebook and Google, are like uh, deeply evil, and uh, we should honestly be very skeptical of the ideas of like how much of our expression and like the news like is monitored, controlled, or regulated by these companies because like you know since trump has become an office and like everyone's panicked about russian bots or whatever there's been this like this big push to like have companies like facebook or twitter or google act as sort of like our social conscience and 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 sort of moderate the experience and such that like it sort of nudges people away from like uh stuff that will make them insane and like just tell them like hey just so you know like this is this is the bad food this is these are the bad posts but like hey look at these good posts and like look at like all of the fact checkers that have signed off on it <laughs> and on the on like on one level trump's statements about mail in voting is flatly untrue and it's like pure propaganda i mean it's it's completely irresponsible and insane and wrong but it is weird as well that like how much people are willing to let these private companies um essentially become fact checkers for the content posted on it which i think is also very frightening to think about when you when you know about like the people oh, who no, work that, for these that's, companies i mean that's idiotic they did this with facebook i mean one of the most idiotic liberal things was the obsession with fucking facebook and being convinced that if there's no facebook they win every election which even if that's that's true what does it say about you but the, they, they got Facebook to acquiesce and be like, yeah, we'll fact check. Who did the Facebook get but people from Daily Caller, people from the Atlantic Council? It's almost as if fact checking is a very fucking nebulous term that isn't divorced from ideology. Lo and behold, a lot of, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that weren't at the original purview of this got censored by it. I, I just, it's just strikes me as this idiotic band. Like, Looking at everything now, like looking at the condition of this country and you, your main thing is like fact checking on social media. It just strikes me as this type of delusion that you wish that was the problem. 
that you wish that, it, oh, if we could fix that, everything would be fine. Well, even more delusional than thinking that that is one of the main problems we're facing is the fact that the solution you're seeking cannot work in the current moment. Fact-checking appealed to an objective third-party uh, judge can only work if there's an agreed-upon understanding of reality, which, yeah, we used to have. At least we had one that was broadly enough uh, agreed upon that you could have like real, like some sort of generalized trust in certain institutions to arbitrate disputes and to accept those outcomes and to accept what their claim on truth was. That's absolutely gone. There's none. So there's no way that you could fact check anything that will do the job that you want it to do, which is convince anyone other than people who are already convinced that it's not true. What you want is something to point to to change people's minds, to say, no, no, I'm right, and here's the proof, and that cannot exist anymore. That cannot happen. You you cannot argue somebody out of a position that they are politically uh, invested in now because no authority can be uh, appealed to that anyone will agree to respect the, the views of. And, and, you know, again, like this, this is this is all a reaction to Trump becoming president, which is the thing that the media and like the establishment, broadly speaking, like just simply thought was impossible. And then when it happened, they had to like find an explanation for it. And I think for a lot of people, it was like, oh, the Internet like lied to everyone because of Russia. Like Russia created memes that like suppressed the vote, which is you know, fucking absurd. It's laughable. But, like, also it's a crisis of the fact that, like, never before as, like, the media as a part of our society or, like, an institution in it been less trusted and, like, like had less power. And, like, overall, the information that you get, like, from, like, reading the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, if you base your worldview on that, I think you would have a better footing, a more informed footing than people who get their into all of their news from YouTube. But the truth is, for the most part, especially if you're younger, but like this is becoming more broadly true of like almost everyone outside of, like I said, a very educated, like professional elite milieu. If you ask them, like, you know, where they get their news from or who they trust, it's all just weird YouTube people and like fucking like, yeah, like online accounts, like these like non professional, diffuse sources. I'm saying like the majority of which are insane, untrustworthy, and bad. But like, given what we know about the role of the way. <laughs> newspapers tv journalism the news broadly like how badly that like they've misinformed and like consciously (laughs) lied to the public is like i'm not saying it's overwhelmingly a good thing that they're like (laughs) that any sort of like a professional standard for project like presenting facts about the world as they happen has never been weaker and like what it's being replaced with is just like pure i'm sorry anything on youtube is bad Trump, can we get rid of YouTube entirely? Like that's forget Twitter and Facebook. I just think like yeah, it's the YouTube videos. I would I would very much like the government to get rid of all of them, except unless they're like movie trailers or Felix. I guess in your case, uh, video game frag highlights. Or I mean, where else are we going to preserve Rich Piano or Dan Quinn or Demony Sachs' archives? Uh, I think that that should turn into a new oral tradition. Honestly. We should carry those in our minds and hearts uh, and speak them to people around campfires. Uh, there are certain things in the original Demodius video that I cannot say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's just this massive like uh, sort of crisis of confidence in that like um, 
the media, even though like there are good professional people who work for it still and in the past has like basically you have to kind of understand the role they play in our society, which is managing democracy and our politics within a very kind of narrow framework of what is acceptable to talk about. And it's not even like we've talked about this so many times before, like the most effective form of propaganda is just not talking about certain things. Like that's all you really have to do. Yeah. And the fact that like uh, the void is being filled or people are finding their own sources, like, like everything now, like whether it's entertainment or news or anything, like everything has become like just so individualized to these like micro audiences and like micro bubbles of reality that people can craft for themselves and, and live in constantly. And I, but like, but yeah, like the, the panic over like uh, information or propaganda metastasizing on social media is I, 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 I understand it, but I think it's foolish. And what's worse is I think a lot of the remedies that these people are proposing for it are like they're almost basically just calling for the FBI to take over control of Twitter and like <laughs> ban accounts for being rude or like. I mean, like, I've, there's so many people on Twitter now who thinks that every single person they interact with is, like, either in Russia, like, sitting at a desk in, the, like, a military base typing posts out, or, like, a computer algorithm written, designed to, like, wind them up and uh, spread disinformation. Well, the thing is, though, this is a new type of thing. Like, social media companies, these platforms, that's never really existed before. And I don't think that we have really gotten our minds any of us our minds around what their implications are because obviously it's easy to point to conservatives who say i want small government but i also want their the fbi to go to my grandkids house and put a gun to their head and make them click like on my fucking meme that i put on facebook uh obviously that's absurd but it's because the confusion is understandable to the extent that we have this private these private companies that are now that have the role of public utilities that's and it. we've not resolved that at all. And the thing is, like, like the 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 like the the chuds, like when, when you know when they're confronted, would be like, oh, like you got a problem with Twitter banning you, or like you well you violated their TOS, like it's a private company, blah blah blah. And like you know to a certain extent that's true, but when you like especially Facebook and Google, like to the extent to which that they have become monopolies on like uh, news, information, communication in the public. And that, like, as a private corporation, they're they're technically within their rights to ban anything. And we know for sure, like, the way they put their thumb on the scale for, like, the news that you do see and that you don't see and the way they direct that for their own benefit is kind of terrifying. And I'm sorry, like, the fact that they're private corporations is, is sort of a fig leaf when you think about the level of control over... What are like like theoretically formally like it, my free speech isn't violated if if Facebook kicks me off the platform and like I don't think that's like a huge injustice but like how much can you like exist and interact as a person or functionally exercise freedom of expression and speech when the medium for doing that for the most part now is become ba- a monopoly controlled by a private corporation so you know my answer to this is that like. Facebook, Google, all of Silicon Valley should be nationalized by the government, essentially. And then shut down. And then shut down. <laughs> it's just like, just just turn the key, like to put the two keys in the slot, turn it at the same time, shut off the internet. No so, more internet. <laughs> hopefully, uh, President Trump, if you're listening, uh, just just end Twitter. Free, free us, us from all. this hell. Free us. Free us from this hell that we've created for ourselves. I mean, I, I like... 
all this stuff about Twitter being like the hell set or whatever, it's like the only thing that's like really bad in and of itself with Twitter is the same problem that's been going on with the entire internet, which is that there you have immediate quantifiable success for your posts. Putting numbers on your posts was the worst thing that they ever did to the fucking internet, and that's not just Twitter. Um, but after but that's that, always never going to go away because it's addictive. They're never right. It's never going to go away because it makes people use it more. Yeah. Um, but as always, the problem is the users. Yeah. If you're seeing bad posts, it's because you have bad users. It's because you yourself are probably a bad poster. <laughs> yeah, you have bad and You're surrounded by other fucking bad posters, and none of you can craft an original thought. That's it. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm like, I'm, I'm obviously halfway kidding about how I want Trump to to shut down Twitter permanently. Well, but Trump yeah, should make make if Trump really wanted to, he should turn Twitter into a forum that everyone has to use. And there could be like a billion different sub forums. Like there could be the gun sub forum. There could be like the food review sub forum. There could be everything. But there'd be no more numbers. Everyone would just have a join date and a post count. Those would be the only two numbers. And then, you know, off to the races. No more character limits. So just Reddit, Turned basically. No, no. I would be like an old, like, BB board standard. Not like what Reddit looks like, which I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, return to tradition is what I want. Reddit has numbers. You do have the you have the upvotes. Yeah, uh, exactly. I just, wanted, I just wanted to interject one thing because the Times just released a slightly longer article about this. Uh, the the section two thirty thing that he wants to strike down. What something funny about this is that he basically wants to change the law to allow it to be easier to sue the platforms, uh, because of their posts, like reduce liability pro- protections for the platforms, which would hilariously make posts like his more of a liability for them because they could be sued for spreading disinformation and make them stricter about regulating what people post on it thus reducing the uh, precious free speech more so what i'm I seeing just, what it's really going to end up to is, is there's just going to be a freaking uh, crank line for you to call the justice department to complain to someone else about <laughs> no one liking your posts yeah. that would be it's just yeah. another person Actually, you know to complain about not people not liking your posts that is my this is a concept we've, just yeah. working working the help phone at doj being like, <laughs> and then then what happened after you memed on your soy nephew <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, my dream. you know what? This is actually a good idea. We've it's a concept we've talked about on the show before. The concept of the busy box. Yes. Yeah, just create a, a yeah. hotline that all the cranks can just call and like just pour all of their energy and, and, and attention into. But essentially, it doesn't go anywhere or do anything. It's just recorded and then thrown in the trash immediately. Did you? But as have, long as you create you this seen, like yeah. impression that like their complaints are being heard and addressed, but it's essentially just a honeypot for. Antisocial, <laughs> antisocial no, no, maladroits of every kind. That should be for everyone. Like there should be a DOJ thing, and it's marketed to different types of people. Like if you're conservative, it's like, is your soy nephew getting you shadow banned? And it's like you call that number. Or if you're like an annoying lib, it's like, oh, um, are people sea lining your posts? To, uh, call the FBI, and it just gets everyone. And I would go for like, do you know that thing, the tilt? What is that? There's this thing called the Tilt, which is like some fucking weird bullshit app that takes out of your phone. But you vote on idiotic subjects. It's like, who's the hotter babe, Kate Upton or Megan Fox? Uh, Uh, Kate Upton, obviously. Where is this fucking website? I need to Megan Fox right now. Megan Fox. No, what's the Disagree. (laughs) Wrong. But it's like, and you can vote, and you can like, you just vote on a hot button social issue by like tweeting a hashtag. 
And I think, like, we should just tell, like, probably, like, most Americans that that's how you vote now. <laughs> there should be, like, mo- if we're, these are really going to be public utilities, most social media should just be, like, a way to occupy the most annoying Americans. Yes, absolutely. Overall, though, to, to echo Felix, um, hell site? No, heaven site. No, there's, it's, there's it's, still, you know what? I, I yeah. see good, I see good posts. Cause I, I see I, good I, posts all the time. I see good posts. Follow I, fo- I follow, I follow good people. Like I, I go to, I go yeah, to have fun, yeah. hang out with my homies, talk shit, post, look at some animals, have fun. Yeah. We're posting gators, monkeys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you, if you like are having a bad time on the health side, it's because, you know, you post like 50 tweet deckers and people who post stuff like energy is a vibe and it gets 300 million retweets and you're like, Oh, uh, the website's bad. It's like, no, you just have a terrible taste. There you go. Uh, be interesting to see what uh, President Trump does with some more of these executive orders to protect his posts. Uh, <laughs> I protect mean, at all time, protect, at all costs, the posts. Do not let down our beautiful voters. Uphold presidential tweet tweet thought. That is, uh, that is a thought. Uphold the posts. I will leave you with for today. Um, once again, please check out in the show description if you're if you're interested in seeing that lunatic uh, Dave Grossman teach cops how to more more uh, cold bloodedly uh, shoot people who are unarmed uh, and in their thrall. If you feel like watching that, I'll, I'll, the link will be in the show description. But more importantly, uh, check out the uh, Minneapolis Minnesota Bail Fund and uh, kick in um, whatever you can because I think that will do the We'll go the longest way towards uh, helping people out and showing a sense of solidarity with the people standing up to the, you know, sorry, nightmarish fucking conditions of law enforcement and American society. So I'll leave you with that. That's your show. We will be back with you soon, as always, and forever. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.